1: We're one week away from the NFL draft, so let's ask the most basic of questions. Who are the Bucks going to draft? And with no offseason workouts, how are NFL teams approaching the draft differently this year? And if sporting events have to be played without fans in attendance because of the coronavirus, which leagues would be the most affected? We have all your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, folks. We've got an offer for you. If you like all the Bucks and Tom Brady coverage, we'd like for you to subscribe to our digital newspaper on TampaBay.com, and you can access that seven days a week because of the COVID-12 virus. Of course, we've been impacted as well, so we're only publishing our print product on Wednesdays and Sundays, but you can do it every single day of the week. Here's the deal. It's just $3 a month for the first three months. That's right. You can't beat that. $3 a month for the first three months. Then seven seventy five a month. After that, seven dollars and seventy five cents a month. Afterwards, now here's all you got to do is enter this code word. It's very simple, TB twelve. That's right, like uh, Sports Day Tampa Bay. No, Tom Brady. TB twelve, and you'll get your subscription there online, uh, where you can read the, the newspaper just as it would appear. By the way, if you prefer uh, in print, it is laid out much like that. If you uh, if you'd like to do that, and um, it's just three dollars uh, for the first three months, seven seventy five a month after that so we've had some uh, uh some sad news in the world of sports as we uh, begin this podcast and uh, this is not i don't believe anyway uh, related to the uh, necessarily related to the pandemic but hank steinbrenner uh, of course the son of george steinbrenner only 63 years old he died in clearwater after a long illness um and also um jim fry Uh, later in the day uh, it was learned the longtime manager of Chicago Cubs also passed away. So uh, two people, of course, uh, very much involved in in baseball. Hal Steinbrenner, Hank's brother, I guess, is the one that's actually, um, uh, you know, in charge of the the day-to-day operations of the New York Yankees. But, um, yeah, some sad news there uh, and, and, and a local connection as well. All right, so we've got a lot of uh, good mailbag questions. Much of it uh, centering on the NFL draft, as you might have mentioned, and other things. So let's get started.
0: All right, we'll start with the easiest question, then. And Buccaneers Tuna asks, "Who are the Bucks going to draft?"
1: is <laughs> the easiest question right off the bat. It ends up really being the hardest question. So so nobody's nobody's really doing me any favors here. Um, look, it, you know, we've seen lots of reports of late that the Bucks are certainly uh, interested in moving up in the NFL draft. And that's because primarily they, they picked number 14, which is sort of in no man's land, right? There's um, a lot of consensus players, maybe even as, I don't know, six, seven, uh, depending on what your needs are, eight, nine, 10, 10 deep. But at number, at number 14, you know, you're, you're sort of, you're sort of out of it just a bit as far as, the consensus player goes now. The good news is the Bucks aren't looking for a quarterback. They've got Tom Brady, at least not in the first round. And so more quarterbacks going being pushed above them would actually help push a position player to them. But we all know that you know the Bucks have absolute needs uh, on the offensive line, and particularly at right tackle. And fortunately for them, there are a number of right ta- or a number of tackles those that could also play right tackle. In fact, that are going to go. Fairly high in this draft. There's four, I think, that are that are very elite, and and really, with all of these players, right? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So, um, you know, I, I think you know you could start with a, a guy like Jedrick Wills Jr. at Alabama. Um, you know, he's probably going to go in the top five or six or seven picks, I would imagine. Um, some people like uh, Mackay Becton out of Louisville. Um, some people like Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. And then and Tristan Wirfs um, from Iowa, those those are sort of your consensus top four, and and I would imagine that the Bucks would be happy, um, and certainly they have their favorites, but I, I think they would be happy with you know getting any of those top four elite guys that are going to go in the first half of the draft. Um, the problem is is that they can't guarantee that, so that that's why. Um, you've seen some stories by Albert Breer and SI and some others that, that the Bucs are, are actively trying to, to move up uh, and, and particularly get ahead of teams um, you know that, that might also have an interest in offensive linemen that are above them. And so to do that, I, I think, Steve, they'd have to probably get as high as number nine with Jacksonville. And I think that's possible. Now, you know, what is the capital? I mean, obviously the further up you move, the more you have to give up to get there. Um, the bucks have a pick in every round and they have two picks in a fourth round. So maybe they could package the fourth rounder with something else. Uh, even if it's next year's draft and, and move up, you know, from 11 to say nine and guarantee themselves one of those four guys. But, those deals are typically made on the clock. you know you have to see how the draft maybe you don't need to draft, maybe you don't need to to trade out of there if you see things going a certain way if certain players are pushed above above you and and you do the math and you figure you're going to have your choice of at least one or or two of those four guys so it remains to be seen um and, and i couldn't tell you i couldn't begin to tell you how they have guys ranked necessarily. I think wills is is sort of more of a consensus you know best guy if you will um a lot of people um you know a lot of people like Werfs. a lot of i mean it's 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 really you know do you want a left tackle or a right tackle do you want a guy that's just you know incredibly large and and just you know a, a man that that could jump in there and play right away in in, in Becton Beckton out of Louisville you know that's that's somebody else's flavor um but if you're the bucks and you've got Tom Brady who's a pocket passer, and you have no right tackle right now because you haven't re-signed DeMar Dotson. Um, You did some things in the offseason to kind of get a backup swing guy, but you need a starting caliber rookie, which is hard to do, is to draft a rookie and play him right away, particularly um, with an investment like Tom Brady in the pocket. But they need to find one of these guys, and they need to find him early in the draft. So for that reason, I think it's going to be one of them. And I'll just say that you know it wouldn't be necessarily the most perfect fit what I've seen a lot of mock drafts have them taking, even maybe at 14, um, is Andrew Thomas because I think he's probably the, the least – he's a good player. He's probably the, one of the lower-ranked guys. He's, left, he's played left tackle. He can make the transition, they think. I would suppose I saw where um, Bruce Arian's son, in fact, on the draft network had his mock draft for what it's worth. I would think he had pretty good information. He had them taking Andrew Thomas at 14. So we'll see if they're able to move around, but uh, for right now – uh, let's let's give them one of those four offensive tackles and um, and see if they if they in fact can stay there and draft one or if they have to move up.
0: Tommy asks, I've read the Bucks might trade up in the first. Do you see them climbing back in late in the first as well? And if so, who do you think they might be going after?
1: Well, I mean, you're going to have to use some draft capital to move up, and again, depending on how far you go, then they're going to require more picks. And so, are you talking about mortgaging your future in terms of next year's picks? Um, I, all that sort of remains to be seen, you know, if you're able to stay at 14 and you don't use any draft capital, could you move back up into the first round? Yeah, but you're still drafting in the middle of the second. So man, you're talking about giving up potentially next year's number one. Um, certainly next year's number two and something else this year, perhaps it, it all depends. I, I, I don't see him doing that. And this is why. Because I think in the second round, they're in great shape. Um, I think there is a, uh, a, a whole bunch of running backs that will be there, and I think it's, it's probably their second biggest need is to find a three-down guy, a pass-catching running back, You know whether that's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire um, or someone else. Some people think that Jonathan Taylor, I saw Mike Jaffa, they think Wisconsin's Jonathan Taylor, who's really a, a, an RB1, would, would, might even fall into the second round. Um, you have Swift at Georgia. You got a lot of guys um, in in that area. You know, even Cam Akers, um, that that will probably be there. And and there's quality depth and guys that can catch the football and help out Tom Brady right away. And he likes to throw to his to his running backs. I mean, Edwards Hilaire would be perfect, I think, um, if he, if they were able to get him. I mean, he's coached by Kevin Falk, who caught passes from Tom Brady, obviously. Um, you know, who's who's the running backs coach at LSU. So to me, that, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I don't see them trading back up into the first round necessarily. You never say never, um, but they're, you know, they're so far back that I, I just think that the, the, the draft will come to them if they just allow it to. So if they make trades, I think it's going to be in the first round and not trying to get back into the first round from the second.
0: Ellis asked, we all have guesses about what positions the Bucks should target in the draft. But could you see a scenario where an unexpected position gets targeted? In which position would that be?
1: Well, I, I think, uh, yeah, I can. And and again, a lot of that has to do with what transpires in front of them, right? I mean, you know, is are there going to be some surprises um, or some disappointments in terms of are all those tackles gone? Are they unable to move um, and get one of the four elite guys? Uh, you know, if, if that were the case you know the the next biggest need you would say would would probably be an edge rusher uh like maybe maybe like a Derek Brown or somebody like that or um you know can you you know can you get a defensive you know defensive lineman of some kind um you know that can sit down next to uh Vita Vea and uh you know and, and maybe give you some some depth in there so i think there there are positions and, and, you know, Javon Kenlaw would be perfect for that from South Carolina. I just don't know that those guys get there. I really don't. And so if, if the offensive linemen are gone, the elite offensive linemen are gone, and you had, you know, um, the defensive linemen or the edge rushers, because that's, that's the next, right, coveted position. you have a guy like uh, Chase Chason from LSU if he were gone. And you're just sitting there and you say, well, we can't get an offensive lineman. It's too high to take a running back because we know there's a ton of them in the second round. We don't want to reach there. You know what? How about this? How about a wide receiver? I mean, I really think that's possible. It's a wide receiver draft. Those guys could get pushed down. You're talking about some real speed guys. And even though you have Chris Godwin and you have Mike Evans, what you don't have is a guy that can really stretch the field um, because, you know, you, you, you just are looking for somebody to help. Tom Brady out. Now, both, both those guys obviously can go vertical, but I'm talking about speed, like a Rashard Perryman-type speed, right? So to get a guy um, like uh, C.D. Lamb, for example, or Jerry Judy, if, he, if for, for some weird reason he got pushed down, or Henry Ruggs from Alabama, if you could get those guys, uh, even, even a T. Higgins, I suppose, if you could get those guys at 14, you might do it because, um, you know, Brady – uh, while, while it would seem that he has enough weapons with those two two wide receivers and, and those two tight ends, um, you don't really have that third receiver. And what if, like we saw last year, let's say you're in the race, okay? You're dead in the race. You're in first place or tied or one game back, and you get to week 13 or 14, and all of a sudden, as ha- as what happened last year, Mike Evans gets a hamstring, and then Chris Godwin goes down. I mean, you need depth at that position. I mean, really – Rashard Perriman came in and played lights out when he got his chance to to move up from the third receiver uh, to the primary target. So um, I could see them doing that because the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to have an offense that plays sort of in a box. You know, you want to be able to to make the safeties have to uh, have to you know double team some guys down the field, create the open space in the middle of the field for Brady and and, and for the underneath stuff. So I would say if there's a surprise. Uh, and they just strike out on the positions that they have the biggest needs. That they then make it, uh, you know, go in the strength of the draft, which is wide receiver.
0: All right, Les asked Rick. I see lots of mock drafts out there, and they have the Bucks. Well, being the Bucks, by not drafting any edge rushers, what's it going to take for this team to learn? As of now, JPP and Shack are on one-year deals, so need to look towards the future.
1: I would agree with that. I mean, Shack is franchise, so you know the the the, the effort there will be. Um, you know, to, to try to reach a long-term deal with him, even at some point in the season. I mean, you, you could certainly, he's got to sign the franchise tender, I guess, as it stands right now by July 15th. Um, but you still have time to negotiate a long-term deal. And, and you could even franchise him again and try to work on a long-term deal next year. So I'm not so worried about Shaq Barrett because, um, you know, he's still 27 years old. He may not get, look, he's not going to probably get 19 and a half sacks and lead the NFL, although that would be nice for the Bucs. But I do think he's going to be a consistent double-digit guy. Um, so you, you do need to to start thinking about you know replacing JPP, who's on a year-to-year basis. The same is true probably with Indomicon Sue, who's who's in the same place at age 33. Um, I would agree with you, and, and you know it just so happens that there aren't there aren't a ton of edge rushers in this draft, at least in the first round. So. It might be one of those deals where you're going to have to find that diamond in the rough and develop a guy, um, and and I'm not sure, you know, that you want to reach and try to force it. it. It the draft just doesn't seem to be falling that way. And and if nothing else, you can line up and play. I always say this: Can you line up and play? How good are you if you have to play a game today, if you don't have a draft at all? And they do have, you know, the core of their front seven back, which was was their goal going into the off season. Now are these guys going to get hurt? How are they going to look by week, week 16? You know, last year JPP played only 10 games. That might have preserved his legs, and he still had trouble practicing at the end of the year. Um, but I think, they, I think they'd be okay there for a year um, if they can't address it
0: early. Our buddy Tommy Leverone asked, How do you guys feel about Donovan Smith at left tackle with Brady as the quarterback? As he commits untimely penalties and struggles sometimes with elite pass rushers. Do you think the Bucks stick with him at left tackle if they draft an offensive lineman?
1: I kind of do. Um, I'll tell you why. I mean, it's not an absolute, right? If they got a guy that's a really good left tackle, and that's that's Brady's blind side, obviously. Um, maybe this guy hasn't played right tackle very much. Although I think all these guys have played there a little bit. Um, there's there's a chance that you know you might you know start the rookie over there. But boy, you know, week in week out, the left tackle is going against the, maybe the best athlete on the field, right? That 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 edge rusher on the quarterback's blind side if he's a right-handed quarterback and um I don't think I understand why people aren't crazy about Donovan Smith, you know? He hasn't made any pro bowls. Here's what he has done. He hasn't really missed any games. In fact, in the games he's played, he's almost not never missed a play. Um and so you know what you're going to get every single Sunday and all he does is go up against the best, you know, pass rushers in the league and you know, does does he give up a few sacks? Yes. Um, was, you know what, they all do. And uh, I I would just say that, you know, what's going to make Donovan Smith a much better player is the guy under center because Tom Brady's going to get rid of that football. And you're not going to notice Donovan Smith as much because when you would notice Donovan, it would have his guy blocked. Something would happen. Jameis would pull the ball down. He'd extend the play. And sometimes Donovan didn't stay with his guy. And then eventually, you know, Maybe Jameis will be pressured or run down by the guy that Donovan was initially blocking. And and I think that the ball's coming out much faster with Tom Brady. I think he's gonna make that offensive line look a lot better. And I I expect Donovan Smith to to probably have one of his best years. Um because I think it's it's been difficult, you know, uh sometimes to block for a guy like Jameis who, you know, who does tend to hold on to the ball and uh and, and sometimes, you know, it's hard to know exactly where he's going when he's running around back there. So um, I don't think they'll switch them. I, I think that, uh, you know, whoever they take will probably play right tackle, and I think Donovan will stay at left, and I, I think they're fine with that.
0: Michael asks, with the possibility of no offseason workouts, with will NFL teams approach this draft differently?
1: Well, they, they have had to approach it differently. I mean, uh, it's been a matter of fact, right? We're all sort of quarantined. We all have, you know— um, the, the social distancing and the NFL has rules where you could not bring in players. Usually they would have 30 visits with the, the top draft picks that they wanted to spend some more time with. Uh, they didn't get the pro days for the most part. There were only a few of those before, um, the NFL, uh, and, 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 colleges shut down. And so they, they eliminated a lot of the pro days. So what they've had to do is what we've all had to do, which is, um, you know, do virtual meetings and phone calls and, you know, zooms and, um, skypes and different things like this and facetime um and you know they've been restricted into how much they could do that i mean you know for any one player you get three one hour phone calls in a week um but you're not you know you're not limited to how many players you can talk to um i think i saw where you know bill belichick actually thought it was better because you spent a lot of your time traveling to these cities and um, you know watching these pro days and all of that and now you're basically got all that time back to sit and make as many phone calls or or uh, checkups as you want to within within the rules and and i also think you know in talking to lee steinberg an agent of course for patrick mahomes and others he's been around a long time the book you know the jerry Maguire movie was based on him he said that he really thinks that there'll be a little bit of return to the old school and that he he expects there to be less mistakes in the draft, at least early in the draft this year, because, and I've heard GM say this, teams now are having to rely more and more on film, right? You're going to have to go back and see how these guys play. You're drafting a football player. You're not drafting a track athlete. You're not drafting a guy that runs a cone drill or a good 40 if he's an offensive lineman. So um, there will be more... Um, you know, sort of hostage to what their football evaluation is. And that's probably not a bad thing in this era of analytics that you can get a little too deep into. Um, And so I actually think that in many ways uh, this, this could actually be a good thing for the NFL to, to understand sort of what the balance is there, you know, and they'll have to be creative with their interviews on the phone. They're not the same as watching them interact with uh, their own players or people in the cafeteria and, But let's face it, um, even the biggest jerk can be on his best behavior for, what, 12 hours? You know, when he comes into a town, you really know what you're getting anyway. Um, You might be better off having a bunch of phone conversations with him and other people. We don't know. So they'll adapt. Um, I don't expect it to be a big problem. Draft day, if if the technology holds up, will be fine. And it's going to be interesting, that's for sure.
0: Les asked, do you think Jason Light bought himself a few more years of job security this off season? He doesn't seem to be taking as much heat for the Jameis Winston not making his to a second contract as I would have thought.
1: Well, you know, um, <laughs> was it John Madden says winning is the best deodorant? OK, he just he just managed to unload uh, a guy like Jameis Winston and replace him with the biggest winner. In at quarterback in the history of the league. So um, I think Tom Brady has damn near won, including playoffs, as many football games in 20 years as the entire Bucks franchise has won in 40-something years, and that's not an exaggeration. So, yes, did Jason Light, you know, a year ago he, he was the one guy, right, that could get Bruce Arians out of retirement and Bruce Arians could get his coaches back and Bruce Arians – was the perfect guy to see if Jameis Winston could be saved, and this year, um, maybe it's Jason and a combination of Bruce Arians were the were the two guys that could get Tom Brady to leave New England and come to sunny Tampa Bay and, and play quarterback for the Bucks. So that's the definition of buying yourself some time. Um, but again, it all depends on you know what's the rest of the story. I mean, is there football number one, and if there is. Um, does Brady deliver on that promise and you know, or is the off season you know so abbreviated that those things that needed to happen with him becoming familiar with his receivers and the offense they just don't have enough time and maybe it's not uh, a complete success in year 1 but i think they're going to get at least 2 years maybe 3 with Tom Brady we'll have to see but uh yeah pretty pretty deft acquisition there uh, you know once once Tom Brady was in the fold, I know there's still plenty of, of Jameis uh, supporters and, um, and, and they're, they're still upset about it. But, but for the most part, if you're just your average Bucks fan, you're pretty, you're pretty cool with, with Jason Light and
0: B.A. right now. All right. Sean asked a two-part question. One, if Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl in one or both of these two seasons, does he automatically go into the Bucks ring of honor? And the second question is, do you see us trading for Rob Gronkowski if they get intel that he'd come back and play with Tom?
1: those are two great questions. Um Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl in one or both of these years. Certainly if he won them in both I put him in there just for the hell of it. Um yeah, look, I, I you know the ring of honor is so subjective and it's a Glazer creation. Um uh, and so for that reason, you know most of the men up there spent a good portion of their of their year uh of their career in Tampa Bay. I mean, you know John Gruden was here. Six years, so that might be the you know the outlier. Um, Tony Dungy, about the same. Uh, Joe Gruden won a Super Bowl. Dungy sort of turned the franchise around. The rest of them are players that were, you know, almost exclusively Bucks in their careers. Obviously, Doug Williams went on um, and, and had success with the Washington Redskins, won a Super Bowl, um, but again, the bulk of his career was probably spent here. So, yeah, I I don't know. Um, if he won two, all bets are off. Even if he wins one, I mean, I, you know, I suppose it's possible. Uh, there are other guys who have their names in in two rings of honor. I can't remember. I'd have to look this up. Is Peyton Manning in the co- in the uh, Broncos Ring of Honor? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know. Um... It might be something to look into. But um, there have been guys that have been in multiple Rings of Honor. Usually, you spend more than more than a couple years, but um look anything's possible I would the top of my head I would say no as for the second part of that question Rob Gronkowski look I'm I'm the guy that uh has always believed in, in in the years that I've done this job that where there's smoke there's fire okay this will not go away this story of hey what if Gronk joins Tom Brady in Tampa Bay and even though I've seen Gronk quoted that, nah, I'm not really looking towards that. He's, you know, and Jason Light has said, you know, well, he seems to be doing a good job in the WWE or what have you. His wrestling seems to be his next his next goal. Until this thing is just over and they start the season, I'm one to believe that it's possible. I, and I don't know what you'd have to give New England. You know, they I, I, I think they may have some dead money on him still, but I'm not sure. Um, his contract would have been up by now, but I guess... Technically, you know, he left them with years, with, with years on his contract, so maybe you'd have to, have to compensate them in some way. By the same token, he's, he's not going to come back and play for them. Maybe it's one of those things that happens, you know, during the year, like you wait and see if he wants to play the last 10 games or six games or whatnot if you have an injury. I don't know how they get them all on the field. I mean, they got Cam Brayton, and they've got um, O.J. Howard, and, and regardless, I don't see either one of those guys being part of a trade for Gronkowski, because how long do you think he'll play? I mean, he's a guy that's had a history of a lot of injuries and things like that. But it would surprise me in this sense that, if, that nobody that has played with Brady before ends up on this football team. I think somebody's going to end up in here um, on offense that has played with Tom before just to give him a comfort level and also it helps to sort of teach other players at that position sort of what to do, you know, where to – where to sit down in the zones, what, what Brady likes, uh, you know, uh, that sort of thing. So I'm not, I'm not giving up on Ron Gronkowski. I don't, I don't think that's the craziest idea I've heard at all.
0: John asked, can you fathom the irony of signing Tom Brady, boosting ticket sales and building excitement for the season, only to see every game potentially played without fans on a neutral site and in a shortened season? And can you answer in a Rod Serling voice, imagine a world? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Rod Serling, holy cow. Imagine a world in which the buccaneers get Tom Brady and he never plays. Um look, this is optimistic compared to most of the uh, you know, look I'm the we can't have nice things guy. So I'll take it a step. What I what what the pessimist would say because this is optimistic. He's playing games but just without fans. Um, what, what the pessimists would say is, can you imagine that, that they don't have a football season at all and Brady just says, oh, screw it, I'm retired. I can't wait another year without playing. That would be that would be the ultimate, right?
0: Um, well, not only that, but the fans would, wouldn't get their money back for their tickets if they waited on Ticketmaster on because they've changed their policy now and you just get a a, uh, a credit. You don't get a refund on your tickets. To,
1: first of all, is that even legal? Like, that's crazy to me. Oh, At the time that you bought your well, – can they just – arbitrarily change the policy or when you bought it was that policy in place
0: i would i would i'm not a legal expert but i would think that you could sue and and end up there's probably going to be a class action suit if they try to withhold money from now from this point forward that is their new policy there's nothing you so now you know now you know Uh, Mm -hmm. but i would imagine and i'm not sure when the policy was changed it's kind of come out in news this week but i would imagine that you could fight that but it may be a long fight
1: Right, that's crazy to me. Um, I'm gonna, live, as John Gruden would say, I'm gonna live in my hopes and not my fears. You know what I mean? I, I just I can't let myself go there, mentally, in any sense. Um, first and foremost, we got to get back as a society at some point, right? We can't we can't self quarantine for the next six months. It's been a month already.
0: Be... It's been a month. It feels Damn, like I about love... three years, but.
1: Well, March, March felt like a year. and We got out of March, and, and April is progressing nicely, thank you, I think, um, at least from my standpoint. I'm stacking days and covering the draft like I normally would. And so. Um, but we've, we've got to get out of house at yeah. some point. We've got to get back to some semblance of, of order. Uh, I think testing is going to be a big part of that. I'm not a scientist, but I think you know before we can think about football and, and reconvenient players, much less fans, I think they have to have a way to test those guys in real time I mean, you got a 67 year old coach. You can't be around a guy that's asymptomatic that could give him, you know, COVID 19. I mean, that would be devastating for somebody like Bruce Arians and others. So until we come up with that, and they're talking about it. Look, the NFL, the, the one thing the NFL has to its advantage over these other sports is that they got the longest runway, right? They're not supposed to play a game that matters until September. We'll see the schedule come out uh, in May. They say no later than May 9th. I think the way it's constructed will be telling. Um, If every team, for example, in the league has a a home and away game in each of the first uh, four weeks, I think you can see, you know, the possibility of them just saying, Mm -hmm. okay, we're going to have a 14 game season and then, okay, we're going to have a 12 game season. But I do think there'll be football. I think you'll see division
0: games late in the season, not early. So if they have to lop off part of the season,
1: that's right. I would agree because you need competitive balance within the division. So you'd have to have an equal number of division games. So. You know, that'll be telling. Um, I'm just going to live in my hopes, man. I I, I think we're going to find a way, um, hopefully, to safely do this. And, and maybe, look, maybe the year begins without fans. Maybe it begins, um, you know, with uh, in just people in club seats or sky suites or where they can have some separation with walls or glass. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out. I do know they have every intention of playing, as still does the NBA and the NHL, certainly Major League Baseball. They may have to have a biosphere in Arizona to do that. Um, We don't know what this world's going to look like. I think it's going to be at least until they get a a vaccine before we have any semblance of of what it had been, Um, you know. certainly, and that can be a year to 18 months. So it's just really difficult to sort of predict all that. And, and, And I'm hoping, and I know the humor is probably part of this question, but Man, I I just, you know, I'm not a glass half full guy a lot, but I just have to believe that as a nation we'll come back and if we can can find a way to get businesses back and people working again and restaurants and this sort of stuff, and I still think there'll be some social distancing, surely we can find a way for these guys to play football and basketball and give us something at least to entertain ourselves while we're sitting at home um, trying to keep our distance uh, at least for a little while longer or for – uh, you know, just in, in the interim period that until we get a vaccine. So, yeah let's let's not let's not cancel the season. Let's just say it may be postponed or delayed. Um, I'm more I'm more willing to do that.
0: I saw a funny meme that uh, said this is an interesting year. February was a leap year with 29 days. March lasted five months and April's lasting three years.
1: <laughs> yep. I've seen that. I've seen one that was like, uh, you know, the last three decades have been tough, 2000s, the 2010s in March. <laughs> you know, so, yeah.
0: All right. Uh, John That's true. Yeah, John asks: most sports leagues rely on ticket and broadcast revenue to pay players as part of revenue splits. If seasons are played without fans attending, which leagues are most affected by revenue declines? What kind of impacts could you see it having? And does the NCAA have trouble as well?
1: Um, to take the answer to your first question last yeah the NCAA has a big problem because uh, you know obviously a lot of their a lot of their revenue is is based on television so could you play the games without fans yes um, however these are student athletes so what are we saying you know um, is are you then admitting even though it finances a lot of other sports uh, and it's necessary for the college experience but what are we saying if if these student-athletes, uh, uh, you know, are allowed to play during a virus that fans can't attend it and students can't go and they're students. And, I don't know, that's that's sort of a stickier wicket, if you will. As far as the pro sports leagues, Steve, we talked about this a little bit, and you know more about it than I do. I know the NFL, if they never sell a ticket, every all 32 owners in the NFL are going to continue to make money, hand over fist without selling the first ticket. That's not to say that they don't like packing stadiums and all the amenities that go with it, the club suites, the sky suites, the, the, the the concession sales, the parking, the, you know, all of that, because that's, that's their extra revenue. If you will, um, the real value in NFL ownership is in franchise appreciation. I mean, you know, the bucks were purchased for like $193 million and they're probably worth about 2 billion with a B today. So that's, Pretty good return on investment. Um, the one that I'm not sure about is the NHL because I mean I don't I think they probably have the smallest TV contract and at least the Lightning um, you know packed that arena pretty much every home game and playoffs would be the same. So you're you're giving up quite a bit of revenue I would think with the with forty something dates there before you get to the postseason.
0: Yeah, NHL is very ticket driven as a league. Um, not only that, but now you anticipate the salary cap at best is flat going forward, which mm-hmm. puts a lot of teams at a crunch, including the Lightning. Um, you know, it will if impact salaries and that going forward if revenues are affected by sports. Um, you got to assume the NBA and, and, and baseball doesn't have uh, revenue sharing or a cap, so that part the sport doesn't get affected that way. But, you know, the NFL, yeah, most of their money is off broadcast revenue. So, I mean, tickets are nice, but they're not affected. But the NHL is the most affected, I believe. In the NCAA, if you—I don't know if you saw—Gene Smith's comments, the Ohio State athletic director, and he says, "When I first heard the games without fans, I thought, okay, that could work. But if we don't have fans in the stands, we've determined it's not safe for them in a gathering environment. Why would it be safe for the players?" He says, "Think about it. If students aren't on campus, that means the institution has made a decision it's not safe for those students to be here on campus. Why would it be safe for the student athletes?" So, and that's Ohio that's State's athletic question. director, and, you know. And then you talk about a a school that's got a lot of money on the line if they cancel games. I mean, that's one of the, you know, biggest money-making programs, period. And mm-hmm. he's already saying, "Hey, it doesn't make sense if 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 students and and fans aren't allowed in, why are we having the the student- athletes there?"
1: Right. No, it's a great it's a great point and even, you know, like I said, you know, with with 100 football players or 90 or whatever they have on college scholarships plus the trainers and the coaches, you have to find a way to test them. You have to find a way to uh, you know, to know um, who has and who doesn't? Because they, they could be asymptomatic at that age, and and again, the, we're trying to, to to limit the spread. So, you know, those are, those are all great points. I, I think the NCAA has a big problem. I think they got a number of problems, the same that other sports league have, and then some because these are our students, and you have to protect them as students first, and then athletes. And and this is and where, they're
0: amateurs too; they're not paid,
1: and they're amateurs. And that's right. And this this is where the money of college athletics. Not going directly to players other than scholarships, I think this is where it becomes a problem because um, you know what what is more important is it the student or the athlete and and so they they try to walk that line a lot, and this one is is really you may have to pick a side here
0: all right, final question, and Bob has an observation and a question. observation is he planned on losing uh, the lo- using the lockdown to lose ten pounds he 's only twenty pounds away from his goal. <laughs> And his question is, in light of the XFL's demise, what, if any, of the XFL's rules innovations do you think the NFL may consider going forward? Kickoffs, extra points, any others? Um, well, I,
1: I, 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 sadly, I think a lot of us can probably relate to the first uh, comment, which is uh, I wanted to lose 10 pounds and I'm 20 pounds from my goal. I'm actually, I am actually have lost 10 pounds, if you can believe that. But who knows, by the time I get out of here, I may be 40 pounds from my goal. As far as the XFL goes, look, it's disappointing they're not playing anymore. I thought they had some really good ideas. Uh, one would absolutely be the kickoff. I'd adopt that tomorrow. I, I think it brings the kickoff back into the game. It eliminates, um, you know, the, uh, the chance of concussions because um, you still have, you, you know, you don't have guys running 30 yards, you know, downfield at full speed, colliding with somebody else. Um, you know, they're only five yards apart. No one can really start their, their move towards the return guy. Um, And you absolutely have to, you know, uh, try to keep the ball in play to get the return game back into football, which I think it belongs. I, I mean, I still remember the Devin Hester's and and others that I thought were, you know, Deshaun Jackson's that were a big part of this game and and should be again. I think it's one of the most exciting plays in sports. Um, You know, there was one rule I think they had, and I I kind of confused the AAF with the XFL, um, but overtime or, or not overtime, but late in games, um, you could have the option, I think, instead of onside kicks, of, mm-hmm. of taking the ball fourth down in, what is it, fourth 25 and fi- or Fourth 15? and 15,
0: I believe, from your own 25.
1: From your own 25. I like that rule um, because I, I think, you know, the odds are about the same, but but still, it's a football play. It's not just sort of, um, you know, this, uh, this gimmicky onside kick business where people can also get hurt. So, yeah, I number of things that they should look at and 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 then i hope i hope hope they consider
0: the transparency of the replay booth
1: that was great i mean i can't imagine the
0: nfl will ever let you in the headsets of coaches talking to players and the play calls and that i can't see them doing that part of it but the transparency of the the replay booth and the officials i I would love to see
1: And, and i i do think that though there are ways to grant access during the game you know hockey does this they talk to players after the periods of course they have mm-hmm. three periods so it's you're able to do that in that intermission area but um you know the the banal hey coach head coach off the field after the first half hey what'd you tell your team and it's kind of worn out but i tell you after a big play i wouldn't mind seeing somebody go down there and talk to you know mike evans or Would love that too um tom brady about what they saw yeah. and you know what what you know how the play and i mean i'd love real time any, any kind of you know, transparency and peek behind the window or the curtain there, I think is really cool. So, yeah, that was XFL, AAF. They had some good ideas, and and if I were the NFL, I'd I'd adopt it at minimum the kickoff uh, right away. I'd do that as soon as I could. Some great questions today um, for you guys, and you don't have to wait for a mailbag. You can always obviously send us your questions anytime on Twitter at SportsDayTB. That does not stand for Tom Brady, but okay for today it does. Um, Or you can send uh, the questions to me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampa bay.com. Hey, on tomorrow's show and uh, maybe for a couple days, we're going to obviously turn our attention towards the NFL Draft and who better to do that with than Trevor Sigma of the Draft Network. You've probably read his work on Pewter Report over the years. He covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now with the Draft Network and now located in Charlotte with Alyssa Lang, his girlfriend. Um, but he's been kind enough to uh, will join us for the next couple days. We'll, we'll talk about the Bucks, about Tom Brady, a little bit of Jameis Winston, also uh, how the draft should unfold for Tampa Bay, what their needs are, um, who are the players they most likely are targeting. So we'll have uh, Trevor Sigma the next uh, couple days here on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.